pull over, lean in. It's time for the Soft Shoulder Podcast. I am your host, Danette Relic of Radical Creative Sanctuary, inviting spaciousness for your mind and your heart. Welcome. I'm so glad you're here. The Soft Shoulder is your time, your time to slow down and fuel up on self-love support so you can make the most of your gorgeous life. Join me here. Everyone needs a soft shoulder. Hello, sweet listener. I'm recording this at a strange hour. It's late in the evening. I normally don't do that, uh, but I felt... Oh, I felt inspired to come and speak with you. This afternoon, I was walking and speaking with a friend on the phone, and it occurred to me that I needed a soft shoulder. (laughs) I was like, I just need to pull over. Like, I just feel like I'm tired. I don't know what's happening. I don't know where I'm going. I just need to pull to the side and assess. This in life is, you know, can show up as you turning on an episode of the actual Soft Shoulder Podcast. But another way to do that is listening to yourself in whatever practice you have. Sometimes, you know, life can, can life (laughs) and our heads can start getting like into a spin with all the thoughts and the worries. And sometimes it just goes too fast. You know, have you ever been on like um, an exercise bike or something where it gets ahead of you? (laughs) just me and it's going so fast you're like I don't know what's happening I'm just gonna take my feet out (laughs) make myself into a big old starfish on this bike and let the pedals slow down on their own like I've just gone a little past what is sustainable ah you get to do that one of the ways that I like to do that is actually um, like verbal journaling. I listen to my own voice. I record my own voice. It's just like recording it with pen and paper in a journal. But I find that um, speaking out from from my throat, speaking out loud and using sound has been a way that uh, in the past bunch of years has been very effective for me. I also find that when I'm speaking to myself, um, I can sense the tone, right? So if I'm having angry, self-critical thoughts, if I start speaking to myself into like a recording device, I quickly adjust my tone because it's like, who am I yelling at? What am I doing? (laughs) It's easy to have the yelling thoughts continue longer than they need to be because you can't see them, right? Like if they're in your head and you're being a total crappy little monster to yourself, it can take you a while to clue in. Right. It can take a lot of practice to clue in when your inner saboteur, your inner negative Nancy, whatever is like being horrible to you. Um, But when you write it down or if try this, if you haven't, but when you speak it out loud, the tone very quickly is like, oh, no, no, I don't need to be yelling. Okay. (sighs) I find that when I speak to myself instead of journaling, um, I also journal. Um, I love journaling. They're different, you know, it's really nice to move between the two. It's really nice to choose and ask myself, which one do you need right now? Do you need to write? Do you need to move your arm aggressively across the page? Do you need to type? 
and pound out some thoughts and get them into a digital uh, font? You know, <laughs> do you need to, or do you need to speak? Do you need to yell? Do you need to, you know, it's, it's that even starts the process, right? I'm checking in with myself. How do you need to pull over right now? What's going to be the best method for you to see what's happening in your mind, getting that inside outside so that you can see it. It's very sneaky. You may have remember long before you ever discovered this whole idea of like journaling, healing practices of the fact that you can choose your thoughts to some extent, right? That you can be really conscious and mindful about how you want to look at something. Um, it just felt like the truth in quotes, right? You would have a thought and you would think that was the truth. That was reality. That was how you felt. That was who you were, but it's not true. And one of the quickest ways to do that is to just like, you know, when we can't see it, we can't see it. But when you get it out, you can see it there. And it's like, oh, I'm being really hard on myself right now. Oh, I'm actually really overwhelmed. You might need to do this for a little while. Like today, when I was speaking with a friend, I started with the first few layers of the things that I thought were stressing me out, the things that I thought were the thing, (laughs) if that makes sense. And as I continue to vocalize layer by layer, we go deeper and deeper. And I was, and I just broke. And then I said, I'm so tired. I'm like, oh, and then that inner voice is like, oh, there we go. Okay. Okay. Like, this is the place that needs love. Let's talk to this part that's tired. It's not about the deadline. It's not about what that person said. It's not about what happened yesterday. Let's go down here, right? So when you write, when you talk, give yourself some space. When you do this practice, one whatever ones that you use, or if you experiment or you oh, just start today, oh my gosh, just the idea that someone might start journaling now anywhere in the world (laughs) not just because of this podcast but just in general I'm like this is so exciting like they don't even know what door they're opening right now this is an incredible like there's no going back when you can see and feel the difference of this tool that you have at your fingertips it's so lovely um I this is reminding me that I also love when it snows here in Toronto, um, especially those first snows of the season, and especially when it's a first big snow, you know, the kind where you got to dig your car out, the kind where you have to wait for a street to be plowed, um, where there's lots of snow on the ground, where maybe school gets canceled, and there's like tobogganing and stuff like that. I look around and I think, there. I wonder how many people in this city right now, this is their first snowfall. And I think about how, what a marvel, how weird and cool it must be to be in this fluffy, strange wonderland. That's just absurd if you think about it. Like, it's just so different than how it looks any other time of year. And maybe they've only seen it in movies and now it's like, wow, you know, I love thinking about that discovery. These things, whether it's the first snowfall or the first journaling or the first realization that you can choose how you want to see things. I mean, this is such a great reminder that like, there are so many moments in life, we might think we might get into a groove and feel like we've learned all there is to learn. 
But every once in a while, there is a new thing that just shifts and opens up, unfolds all this new landscape for us in terms of how we are living, what we have access to, how we can co-create, how we can feel better, how we can have access to our own wisdom and healing right there, right? <sighs> it's a great thing. It's a great thing to discover. I received a, um, one of the newsletters that I received today was from Roxanne Gay from The Audacity, and it was a little essay about marriage. And um, The Honeymoon Hasn't Ended, that was the title. And it was basically an essay about how we often hear about marriage in, you know, our culture. We hear these stories, these narratives. We watch them on TV and movies about how it sucks and how it's hard and how you have to compromise and how it's a trap and how unhappy so many people are in their marriages. And I loved her, her I guess, essay, um, this newsletter, because she's, you know, kindly talking about how like it saddens her that so many people are feeling that and she's not denying that that's their experience um but that it's not her experience of marriage and it was really nice to hear that um I had this conversation with a friend actually uh, I think this late earlier this week about how nice it is to hear about marriages or relationships that are good that are nice, that are uh, not traps, you know, that are like really doing what I think we all aspire at some point. Like if we're getting involved with someone in this way, we would hope that to partner with someone means that you are improving the situation by joining lives in that way, right? Um, where things can be better, where things can be wonderful, where things can be fun. And, um, it's really nice and refreshing to hear examples of that and to meet examples of that. Of course, we never know what happens behind closed doors. And I have certainly been in partnerships where on the outside, <laughs> it did look like everything was going great. And on behind the door, it was not so great. Um, but one of the things that struck me in this newsletter was the Roxanne Gay's perspective about how it's not that it's not that it's not at work. It's not that her marriage isn't work, but that it's the kind of work that feels good to do, you know, like gardening or writing or painting or knitting or I don't know what these are things obviously that I enjoy doing. Um, you might have other things on that list where it's like, yeah, it's work. Um, but there's a joy to it. You're choosing to do it. It's rewarding. Gardening, I think, is one of the, you know, or cooking, right? For some people, this is like a total chore. For some people, this is like rewarding work. And all the pieces of it are just part of that process. And they wouldn't think for a second to no longer cook. It's like, yeah, it's work, but I'm, I want to do this work. I want to create a meal. I want to choose the carrots. I want to peel them. I want to feel this thing. I want to use this tool. Like it's work, but it's rewarding and it's loving. I think like the kitchen can be such a loving place for so many people. I personally am just, just 
you know, late blooming into my kitchen relationship. We're having a little affair. It's going well. I'm taking it slow. But I know for some people, this is like a lifelong romance, you know. And it got me thinking, (laughs) welcome to the podcast that is Danette's train of thought. (laughs) It's not pulling over to the soft shoulder. Now we're getting on a train, (laughs) going from car to car. (laughs) What reminded her of the next car? What reminded her of the next car? (laughs) I'm really glad that that you're here for this ride. But anyways, um, about it got me thinking about the long game of love. The long game of love in a marriage and the long game of love, the long game of self-love in a marriage to oneself. This is what I play for. This is what I have always played for. The long game, the oak tree, you know, the, 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 the big thing that takes time, the thing that can only be built with time. And, uh, and faith, because, you know, who knows what's going to happen in those years between, between the acorn and the oak tree. Um, but the goal and the love of tending and encouraging that outcome is the reward itself. You know, there's so much um, growth that happens and such gifts that are bestowed just in the process itself of that commitment So, you know, the work that I do, uh, self-marriage, it's like, this isn't a six-week thing. I've always had sort of like a, there's a time and place for a boot camp or like a quick intensive. I have done many intensives in my lifetime and they have their place. They certainly have their little superpowers of um, activation. And ultimately, though, for me, this is all serving this long game of love, right? I think in the long game... You have lots of time, um, as much as we can predict (laughs) that we have time. And, you know, there's no expectation to get it right tomorrow. There's no expectation to be there. There's no arrival. There's no like, in six weeks, I'm going to be rid of all of these bad thoughts and habits that I have that slow me down and take me out of the game of my life, you know. Um... Like just today, I was exploring a new feeling and in a new way. And I've been doing this work in my self-marriage. I've been like, it's been over 20 years. I think it's 22 years this June. Uh, One of the modules in the Art of Self-Marriage, my year-long program, which will be happening again. I've had some people asking and I am taking my time with this to uh we've learned so much the first year was so beautiful and um yes I look forward to offering that again soon so side note if you've been interested in the art of self-marriage or if you're just hearing it now for the first time you can go to radicalcreativesanctuary.com self-marriage is there on the banner there's the old page there describing the program from I guess it was a little over a year ago but there is a, a, a link that you can click right at the top that says to get on the wait list. And there's a form that you can fill out, which are very bunch of provocative questions about you and your relationship to you. Um, there's no commitment to that, but take a, take, a, take a moment, go answer these questions, see how it is. Just do the questions just for yourself, actually. Um, and uh, I look forward to offering the next round. I've learned so much through the 
doing this with other people for the first time. Um, oh, wow. Speaking of the train of thought. So the train, <laughs> I've lost the track of the train. Where was I? Oh, yes. So one of the modules, the early modules of the art of self-marriage is called unconditional self-love. And kind of like all of the modules there, all of the themes we explore month to month, I feel like we could easily, easily do an entire year of that one topic. It is so rich. It is simple. But of course, as you know, a lot of things that are simple are not easy. The idea behind unconditional self-love is to uncover the conditions, the secret conditions, or maybe not so secret conditions that we have, that we believe make us unlovable even to ourselves. Things that we think we need to fix so that we can be lovable. Things that, um, you know, when you see things online where it's like, this is self-love and this, I love myself, so I did this. What are the things they're not doing? (laughs) It's very easy for those things to suddenly become wrong, right? It's like if you see somebody um, with really strong boundaries, for example, um, saying no, having a year of no, right? Just saying no to everything. This can be an amazing expression of self-trust and boundaries and self-love. Yes. But sometimes if we look at that as a way of like, wow, that person really loves themselves they're really standing up for themselves. We can start to think that saying yes, saying yes too often, having a year of yes, Um, that there's something kind of wrong with that, that maybe that makes us weak. Maybe we don't love ourselves enough. Maybe we're not standing up for ourselves. This is just one example. It can happen in so many ways, like with the, um, those emotional charts, like high vibe emotions and low vibe emotions, whatever that means. It's like, there's good ones and bad ones. There's ones that we're okay with, and there's ones that we're not. Classic example of this is laughter and tears. Because nobody apologizes. Well, I guess it depends on the circumstance. (laughs) I have sometimes had to apologize. I know you're shocked for laughing at inappropriate times in public places. Um, But anyway, I do that very, very seldom. I don't remember the last time I did. But it's, it's, it's not an expectation that I should hide. If I start laughing in a restaurant... There's no expectation that I should cover that up, that I should cover my mouth, that I should like take myself outside or not go out in public if I'm afraid I might break into laughter. But with tears, absolutely, we cry and we're like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And we're grabbing a handkerchief or Kleenex. Someone's handing them to us thinking that that is like, oh, this person must want to hide the tears or they must... (laughs) want to wipe this away as quickly as possible. Um, Or sometimes we're sad and we're afraid we might break and we just don't go out at all because we're like, well, I can't risk expressing this particular emotion in public, right? That's a good example because really what are they? An overflow of some kind of an emotion. We're having this physical reaction. Laughter is this, well, it's actually a lot of things, but (laughs) you know, it's like, in simple terms, it's, you know, an overflow of joy and delight that becomes audible, that becomes visual. And the same thing with tears and crying, right? But we have a preference, don't we? Socially, we have a preference. We have a preference of how comfortable we are feeling it and what we feel is appropriate and also what we can witness. It's not just you, you know, shaming yourself. It's like there are real reactions that people have when other people are crying, right? Right. 
people don't know how to sit with that. We don't, you know, we're, we're taught to apologize for these things. And so, you know, these are examples of like, well, you know, do, do I have this image in my mind of if I really love myself and I'm, I'm not crying, I'm laughing, I'm thinking positive thoughts, I'm setting boundaries, I'm getting my hair done. I don't know what the, <laughs> what it is, but there might be that, right? Um, I don't ever doubt it. I don't ever doubt my self-love, you know, if I really do it, if I'm, especially if I've married myself, that's very serious, right? Um, I don't doubt it. I don't do bad things anymore. Well, you know, we're, we're, we're just creating these conditions little bit by bit of what's okay, what's not okay. And it's a really interesting month in the art of self-marriage to study this at the core of it, it's self-compassion welcoming all of the qualities. I know in a couple episodes ago, I talked about that book, Existential Kink, and how part of that was like really embracing in a very sex positive metaphor, uh, the qualities that we have that we try to fix or heal. And what would happen if we embrace them the way a kinkster might embrace a kink, right? So the thing that I was doing today was around fear. I have clearly, um, come a long way with tears. I have cried in public many a time. And sometimes I just let it flow. And I don't really care about a handkerchief or wiping it or, you know, fixing my mascara. I don't really care. (laughs) It's not like I never care. But for the most part, I think I'm pretty comfortable with that. I'm pretty comfortable um, allowing grief to bubble up and wash away um, in many locations. (laughs) And I do. But there was a fear that was coming up a lot this week for me, a thought in the mind, the brain was panicking as the brain likes to do to keep us safe, right? The brain starts imagining these scenarios that we don't like that scare us into safety, right? It's like a little kid that's freaking out, you know, but when we're in it, like I said at the beginning of this episode, when it's in the mind and we're not writing it or speaking it, it can just... The fear can just take over and feel real, like the monsters are real, right? But they're not. <laughs> so um, I was going down quite, quite, a, quite a thought spiral several times over the past little while. And today I took some steps into applying my own work to this particular emotion. I was like, oh, here's a condition I hadn't been ready to face. I hadn't been ready to love. I maybe didn't even notice it. Sometimes we are so not ready to deal with something that we will just block it out. Like we won't even see it, right? So when something comes up for you, some area of personal growth, some aha moment where you're like, oh, I do this thing. I have this pattern. Celebrate that, dear listener, because the fact that it came to your consciousness means there's on some level, there's a readiness for you to hear it and for you to see it. I don't know about you, but I have had things like pop up where I was like, how did I never notice this? How did I never see this before? It's fascinating if you think about it. So I realized on my walk today, I was like, wow, I haven't really come become intimate with my relationship with this particular fear that I was experiencing. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm working on, it. I'm not saying it didn't all get solved this afternoon, but I, I gave myself permission to be that fearful person, to have that particular fear I was having without jumping to, 
oh, I've got to like change this. I've got to fix this. I've got to resolve this. I just let it be here. And I'm going to keep on playing with this experiment with this particular fear. It feels pretty edgy, actually. But this is the long game, right? This has come up now, right? Two decades in. And I anticipate that I will be doing this work forever. (laughs) And that there will be more course material because life is the curriculum, right? It's like life is it. And I grow and change in this loving container with me and also in my loving containers with others, in my conflicts with others, in my community, my family, my work, the world that we live in, right? I'm always learning and growing. And so there's new things to discover. There's new experiences to be had, new challenges that will arise, right? That maybe I've never experienced before. Um, It's a really beautiful thing. And this is that long game. I'm not upset that today I had this fear moment and that there was more journaling to do. I wasn't like, oh God, like, you know, someone pay me to do this because this is not worth my time. Like I didn't have that attitude at all. It was like gardening. It was like discovering a weed (laughs) where I was like, oh, okay, okay. This weed is having an impact on the overall well-being of the garden of my love. (laughs) So... What am I going to do with this? How am I going to harmonize the garden? Right? How am I going to do this? And uh, sometimes you do pull the weed out. Sometimes, I don't know, this metaphor might <laughs> might stop here because I haven't done any gardening for a very long time. But um, this is work that's exciting, right? I'm going to get my hands in the dirt. I'm going to smell the earth. I'm going to see what's blooming. I'm going to see what's growing. I'm going to marvel at the new species that comes into the garden, see how they cause harm, how they disrupt one another, how they can be more harmonious, how I can play a role in cultivating a beautiful and thriving space um, that's not static. It's a living thing, right? Your life and your love with yourself, this relationship that you have with you, whether you're conscious of it or not, it's a living thing. So it's not about getting, like, you know, with a garden, you can't get it right and then go, okay, there. (laughs) I've pulled that weed, I've watered that thing, now that's it. Like, it should just, it's not going to stay still. There will always be weeds. There will always be blooms. There will always be, you know, something living and growing and changing. And so when you think about that, you know, we don't have that expectation of a garden. We don't go and be like, (laughs) go out to the garden and be like, what the hell is this? It wasn't here yesterday. Like, that's actually exciting in a garden. (laughs) It's like, oh, this wasn't here yesterday, right? We know it's going to be a living thing. So wouldn't it be great for you to offer that same kind of loving cultivation for the long game of your self-love? where you're expecting that every day there will be something to tend to. You're expecting that one day there'll be a storm that rips through the whole thing and you got to start over. You're accepting that you can always come back. You can always tend it back. There's always something that you can do to encourage healthy growth and harmony in the garden of your heart, right? And we're speaking of long game, It's such beautiful, rewarding work to be out there smelling it and digging in the garden and doing all that stuff for those of you who love that. And then there's just nothing like that garden that's been growing for 20 years, 
25 years, 40 years. There's certain kinds of things. It'll be a different garden. Something's going to grow really big and really strong. Something that was a seed, like a tiny little seed in your hand. And it's going to be so strong and wonderful. And because that thing has grown to be so strong and wonderful, it's going to create shade where there didn't used to be shade. And maybe there's things in there that were kind of loving the sun. (laughs) Now they're like, hmm, (laughs) we need to change, right? Things need to either just be let go of or moved or whatever, right? It's so beautiful. It can't compare. You can't like, when you see like an old growth forest, you see things that have been there for a long time, loved and cultivated. And sometimes you see the path, like with trees, like sometimes you can see the wounds, right? Of like what they've been through and they're still here. And it's just unlike anything else. I've always been drawn to that, to that old growth um, and loved the work of the long game. And so I just wanted to share this with you, share this train of thought with you and remind you that it is a long game of self-love because it really truly is not to be cynical. The only real marriage where you can absolutely say till death do you part, right? So You got time. You don't know how much time, but you have your lifetime. This is a long game. If you're putting any pressure on yourself now to love yourself harder or faster or better, or that you should be further along or any shoulds, any conditions, anything that's like telling you that it's not enough just now, think about the long game. Think about the bigger picture, right? This is just one summer. This is just one weed. Sometimes there's nothing to do. If you've ever started a garden from scratch, unless you're buying plants that have had a head start, it can look a little dull, you know, like (laughs) just be like pretty piddly. You're making space, planting things far away from one another so they have room to grow into themselves. But it's just not like pretty, you know, (laughs) it's just kind of bare. And sometimes that's what it looks like. Sometimes the work isn't so visually rewarding. But I can tell you from doing this work as long as I have and from leading the art of self-marriage from actually doing the specific self-marriage curriculum with the same people who have made that commitment to be engaged with themselves in that particular way for a year, it's different than anything else. It's not a weekend workshop. It's not something that you just do for fun and forget about or do it one season and forget about it, you know, and it's so worthwhile all the time. I am noticing skills that I've developed, uh, compassion that I have for myself and for others. It ripples over into everything I do. And, uh, sometimes I even wonder if like I can even take stock. Like I feel like my self-love garden has, is so rich that it's like, a, like I picture I'm sell, like in a greenhouse or something and I can't even name all the flowers. Like I would need to like really sit <laughs> and really go. And I do try to do that as often as I can. But that's another thing too. It's okay if I don't count every flower. It's okay if I don't document everything. What am I proving? What am I doing? Why am I putting stress on myself? to demonstrate this in that particular way because sometimes you can just walk through a really lush greenhouse and you might not know what any of the flowers are 
and you might even be blindfolded or not have your eyes open at all or not have, you know, you're not seeing anything with any eyes, but you can smell it. You can feel it. You can feel the change in the air. You can feel the life around you. Be more sensitive to that feeling in your life in general. It's something that supports me all the time, even the times that I forget that it is. In hindsight, I know it's always there. You know, last uh, the last episode was about uh, getting dumped. <laughs> it was called, uh, if you just got dumped, listen to this or some, I think that was the title. What has surprised me so much in finishing up my book and even putting out that podcast last week, I know that's a very specific moment in time and that's why it was recorded, right? But people listened to it who aren't going through a breakup, which I thought, it was really interesting. And people still got stuff from that. Um, some thoughts, some thoughts about their own history. Um, some people got permission to feel things or to be who they were that had nothing to do with the breakup, but they still took the lesson and realized it was valuable in wherever they were in their life right now. I had um, people read the book um, in the editing process who, you know, haven't gone through a breakup in ages who have been with the same partner for a long time and they found that they (laughs) they were like I actually still got a lot out of this I was surprised by that of course thinking that the book was only for people in the like you know early to unresolved ish stages of breakup healing I didn't think that people in long-term relationships were going to bother reading it Um, but what's so interesting to me about that is well, A, just affirming, right? Because I've been working my butt off on this book and it's so, so nice to hear that it helps people, right? I mean, it's, uh, that I just love. I want to know that I can serve, that I can help and I can support you through these things, through your self-love journey, breakup journey, all of that. But also it just reminded me too that like, there's a lot of permission in this book and I think permission to just be in whatever state you're in is like that, basically that unconditional self-love module, right? It's like permission to be you, permission to feel all the things, permission to have it look like whatever it looks like right now, no matter what the circumstances, you can interchange those. Um, It's relevant all the time. And also what came up was that, you know, we healing isn't linear. It's not like something that you do and then you're done, right? Um, it looks different for everyone. And, you know, I believe you can have closure and let go and feel done with healing of a particular breakup. But it, what's surprising is that there's, there's some threads that maybe kind of like earlier in this episode, there were some things that they, you weren't conscious of that, like I wasn't conscious of this fear thing that I was doing. And then it's ready. It comes into the consciousness. It's like, oh, I haven't gone through a breakup in 11 years, (laughs) but this is speaking to me now. Here's this thing that I never really resolved. Here's this aspect of heartbreak that I didn't really make peace with, you know, and then it's never too late to come back to that part of the garden and to help it grow and to tend to it and to do what needs to be done in that moment in time and just trusting the unfolding of everything in its natural time. That's another aspect of this long game self-love 
is trusting the pace and the unfolding interacting with that you know there's times where we can create something where we can create momentum take action interrupt something and that is the loving action and also there's life and also there's things we're not conscious of and also there's things we don't understand right now that will come up at just the right time I like that perspective I hope you like it too it's it's helpful. I find it comforts me when I'm not seeing any fruit on the trees. I'm not seeing any flowers happening. It's like I remember the garden and how even though you can't see anything, you can trust that things are growing. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to tap your finger on that five stars and Apple or uh, Apple Podcasts, is that what it's called now? <laughs> I don't know. You know, iTunes. Um, Give it a little tap. In the reviews, you know what would be so lovely is if there's any particular phrase or any particular lesson or thought that, you know, came out like a little seed and planted itself in you that you're going to hold that's like valuable to you, that's a great thing to put in the review section. What did you take away from this? I appreciate you spending this time here with me. Thank you to Allison Tarr for making the Soft Shoulder Podcast possible. And thank you to Lee Rosevere for the music that you hear in the Soft Shoulder Jingle. Is it a jingle? I don't know. (laughs) I'm wiggling. Okay. I'm going to go to bed now. (laughs) So nice to spend this time with you. Take good care of your hearts. You are someone worth loving. It all starts with you. Take good care of yourselves. We'll talk soon.